the real estate market is open. Ramos Design Build is Tampa Bay's premier construction company. This is a program where the real estate experts are live. Whether buying, selling, building, or designing, Ramos has the answers. Now, here's the area's best resource for all things real estate, James Ramos. Welcome to an all-new edition of the Move With Me program with James Ramos of Ramos Design and Build and JamesRamos.com. James, I mean, you're looking around what took place at Hurricane Harvey, all the flooding, all the water. I mean, water obviously can be deadly. It can be damaging. And and if you do survive a Hurricane Harvey, then you've got to pivot and start thinking about your belongings, thinking about rebuilding, restarting. What is the process for somebody to, they, they survived a hurricane of that magnitude, a flood of that magnitude. Now, where do they go from? here as far as their house is concerned? Well, the first thing they say is to immediately notify your insurance company. Yeah. But for the sake of everyone in your neighborhood and the devastation that we see and we're seeing on a day-to-day, you know, daily basis in Houston and the surrounding areas, one would think, how are you going to call, number one, if the cell works? And number two, you're outside of your area, so you really don't know how bad your home is. Yeah. The last is is that everybody's going to be calling. You know, that's that's typically what they say and and the have a good inventory of your personal possessions and property. Yeah, when you when you if if you have damage, water damage. I mean, is the house even salvageable, or is that something that you just basically have to discard? Well, and anytime you have you know flood damage, whether it's rising water or water coming in from another area, right? So if a roof comes off, thinking like that, you know, water coming in, or if there's a broken pipe in your house, if the water goes along, you know, your baseboard, your sheetrock is like a wick. It's mm-hmm. it's a big sponge. I mean, it's chalk. Yeah. If you will, with paper. So it's a wick and the and the water goes all the way up. So all the sheetrock needs to come down. If there's plugs and wiring that are in that area, depending on how high, you know, typically a plug on the base, you know, in, in any wall is what, you know, about 24 inches from the floor, right? Tops. Mm-hmm. Um, all that needs to be replaced. Um, so starting from, you know, if you look at the, the construction phases, I mean, you're really going back to the framing. Yeah. Um, to really tear everything apart. And the sooner you can take that sheetrock out, the faster you're going to be able to, you know, replace it and get back to normal. Yeah. So if, if you if you have to do those major undertakings, I mean, is it even worth it in the long run in your mind? Or is that something that you should, you know, give serious consideration to, you know, selling for a loss and buying something else or or perhaps reinvesting and just knocking down and starting a new construction? Well, it depends on the property. I mean, if your property's in a great area, in your home needed a renovation, you know, I would imagine, you know, it would be potentially, you know, looking at the glasses half full. Yeah. Um, but for the most part, there's going to be adjusters out there that are going to decide whether the home is salvageable or not. And what's the best bang for the buck, you know, as it relates to carrying out what they're responsible for doing, which is having good coverage. Yeah. But I could tell you what's the most interesting piece is, is, you know, one of the things from a, from a look at my trade you know, we've already, we have a home that we have planned and the roof systems and floor systems were eight weeks out. Yeah. Immediately we got notified, I think it was yesterday, that that eight week turned into 15 weeks. Wow. So there would be, there and will be tremendous impact across our area as well as the obvious, which yeah. is the Houston, yeah. Texas area. So, so when I'm thinking of like a James Ramos house, I mean, obviously flooding is, is constantly on people's mind here, especially in the Tampa area and the St. Pete area. I mean, it almost seems like you can't have a cat 
casual afternoon storm without some sort of flooding somewhere. And then when we had the historic rain of like 21, 22 straight days, right. something like that, I mean, you couldn't drive down streets. It was just completely flooded. In non-flood areas. Yeah, in I mean, non-flood typically. areas. Yeah, yeah. Non, non, typically non-flood areas. So when you look at that, I mean, if, when you're looking to build a house, is that in the back of your mind as a developer when you're putting something together that, you know, you have to be mindful that sooner or later the water will come? Absolutely. I mean, based on, I mean, we build to FEMA regulations. So what that means is, is every area has a different number mm-hmm. um, at that we have to have the finished floor at. But for the most part, in most of, of Tampa, you need to be 11 and a half feet above sea level. What that means is, is that your finished floor in your heated area, not your garage, but your finished floor in your heated area needs to be 11 and a half feet. And if it is, and there's other qualifications, then you will have the minimum amount to pay. So we can have a home that we build for $3 million, let's say to be extreme, and their flood insurance would be $600 a year, as long as that finished floor is over 11 and a half feet. But a lot of times people that want to, you know, house that's on the water and things, they don't want their home, you know, jacked up eight feet high. Yeah. You know, so they go, they go around a different avenue. Is that when you see like those houses on stilts, basically? Like like when you go to like Siesta Key or whatever it might be. I have a friend of mine that's, that's doing a renovation in uh, down in Anna Maria and he wants to retire in this home and the home is below the 11 and a half feet. So when you have that, you can do the renovation, but what you do is you take half the value of the home. So let's say if the home's an older home, it's you know mostly the lot value. So let's say on the tax record, it says that the home is worth a hundred thousand dollars. Okay. You know, the property could be worth 700,000, but let's say the home is worth a hundred. Well, you're only allowed to do half of what that value is. So it's $50,000 renovation, not going to take you too far. Now, what they do is, is to go around this restriction is, is they'll do multiple renovations over the course of years to mm-hmm. get what you really want. Yeah. You know, so after you do the renovation for 50, then the home should be worth maybe two or $300,000. And then a year after you get the CO, you do it again. And now you have 150 to work with yeah. and so forth and so on, which is a pain. But at the end of the day, you know, it's like FEMA, a 10 year project. Oh yeah. You know, it's like, <laughs> why don't you just tear it down? And it's like, no, no, I want to be able to walk out and step yeah. right on my pool deck. And I don't yeah. want to have to go down a stair, you know, which that makes a lot of want sense. To go down a stair to, you know, get in your pool. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. I mean, they get creative with it too. They'll build the house like right on top of the garages so the garages are underneath and, and then the house is elevated i've seen that before but yeah i mean it's I, it's clear and present i yeah. mean if this if if harvey would have taken a steer to the right yeah i mean we would have had mass devastation and i mean the thing is is i don't want to take away anything from the houston area i mean god bless them everything is gonna turn out for the best at the end of the day yeah i mean it has to right i mean you can't go get any worse than what you see there but as far as you know when we look at things like that of course you want to you know look at look at yourself look at home and say oh my god yeah you know if this would have happened to us and we've talked about this i mean i was born and raised here so so many hurricanes have come through and we've been lucky for the most part my whole lifetime right yeah we've had a few when i was like what yeah, a, cu- you know, a couple like yeah, Maverick I mean, and Goose breezing, the, yeah. buzzing the tower yeah. and Top Gun. We've had a couple of those. You, you but. know, but when you see all the properties that are along the water here, you know, you just think in the back of your mind, you're like, my God, yeah. you know, if something was to happen. Well, yeah, going back to that, I mean, it, so your friend, you know, he's he, so he's basically betting that he won't see anything of that type of uh, devastation where he's not going to prop up his home, uh, you know, that eight feet, 11 feet uh, uh, regulate, reg- regulatory size. Uh, do you think that's a wise move? I mean, is I mean, obviously it's personal pressure. Reference, but would you recommend somebody basically taking their chances and, and you know, betting that they're not going to get hit with anything? Well, I mean, we're going to be interviewing Brad Hubbard, but he wrote a book, Flood Money, and it talks about 
what FEMA did, I believe in 69, I mean, basically, you know, they drew maps for the whole United States. I mean, every part of the United States, I don't know about Puerto Rico, but every part of the United States is a flood zone. You're either in high risk or low risk. Yeah. So when you look at that, um, to answer your question, and, and you have a person who, you know, is pretty well off, he wants the home on the water and he doesn't want to walk downstairs and he looks at it and he knows some of the people in the neighborhood and he's like, hey, I was born and raised here. I, you know, has, has Anna Maria ever flooded and will I see mass devastation? And I'm, you know, I'm going to maybe live another 20, 25 years. Yeah. You know, it's a die, you know, it's a role to die that you may want to yeah. play, you know, for but, the but most you, part. I mean, obviously everything you do is bringing, you know, family back to the table again. And, you know, it's not just when you, when you make a purchase like that for you personally, it's not just you know, something for yourself and I'll be dead in 10, 15 years. So it's no big deal. But you're also thinking about, well, I'm going to leave it to my, my daughter, my son, my, my family. And I mean, if that's something like you're, you know, you're, you're, you're thinking about it in the long run of this is going to be my kid's inheritance too, going to be part of that. Um, would you want it to be propped up or no? Yeah. I don't necessarily like propped up homes, yeah. you know, but at the same token, I can't put my prejudices on everybody spending their own money. So, you know, I just lay out the facts and they yeah. say, hey, I don't think that this area is going to flood, but I'm not, you know, um, you know, some authority as it relates to the weather and any signs of acts of God. But um, you need you will need flood insurance. And based on, you know, these restrictions, we're only going to be able to do a small portion of renovation at every juncture. And it's going to be a quite painful process over the course of the years, mm -hmm. or we just tear it down, start from scratch and then build it. And your flood insurance is going to be what, six, $700 a year, yeah. call it a day. And it's, everything is up to code and, and FEMA's not, um, you know, charging you all the extra money. So, so for, you know, I, I mean, it, it's, it's much more, it's, it's a much easier decision when you, when you come across it, but you know, nobody wants to walk down the back stair, you know, 10 flights yeah. to go jump in the pool, Yeah, you know, and you want to be able to just or roll look down out. the stairs, depending yeah. on how long you've been at the beach, yeah. how many you know, you uh, put a slide you've had, <laughs> you know, you everybody rope down into the pool. You know, yeah. And what we're, we're building a house now on Davis Island and the neighbor um, that's also building, they decided to raise their deck on their back. So in a sense, you have a footer wall around the whole home. Mm -hmm. And then and then now you're able to walk out of your home, take a small step out, out of your back door um, or slider window, you know, sliding glass door, and you have a small step and there's your pool. Now the pool is built 11 and a half feet above sea level. Yeah. So on the sides of it, when you walk around the house, there needs to be tremendous drainage so water doesn't go on the other side. But that's a, you know, that's a solution. It's an expensive solution. Mm -hmm. um, but there are ways to get it to code and be able to have the convenience of walking out your back, you know, and seeing your pool deck. Yeah, absolutely. Getting creative with it. We'll continue our conversation here at the Move With Me program with James Ramos of Ramos Design and Build and jamesramos.com. Welcome back to the James Ramos Move With Me program, jamesramos.com and James Ramos Design and Build. You know, when we were, we were talking about it earlier and you mentioned that there's certain FEMA regulations when it comes to building a home and, and, and all the flooding that we're seeing from Hurricane Harvey in Houston and now that's in the back of people's minds, especially here in the Sunshine State. You know, if we ever got hit with a hurricane, what does that mean to my house? Um, when you're building a house, 
and you're building it in accordance with uh, FEMA regulations. I mean, does that make it more difficult? I mean, when you look at all the regulations put on houses that you have to build today, is that something you just, you know what, you got to adjust to and, and move on from? Or is that something that you look back and say, you know, these regulations, some of them really don't make any sense? I think they do make sense. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that if you look at overarching theme of FEMA, it was a paintbrush across the whole country. As we're seeing in Harvey, you know, there, many of those people do not have flood insurance because yeah. it was not a flood zone or rather a high impact area. So they weren't required by banks to buy the flood insurance. So there's going to be a lot of learning here, you know, as, as we progress there. But as far as the building code and things, I think that it's proper to build 11 and a half feet above sea level, you know, in the areas where, where we build. And it all depends, you know, it could be eight feet, nine feet or whatever, but there is a FEMA, you know, measurement that you have to abide by if if that homeowner wants to build a new home and ultimately they will reap the benefits of a much lower rate. When you run into local regulation, obviously you've got federal regulation. When you run into local regulation, like, uh, you know, I know that Tampa, for example, you know, they're, they're very particular about their oak trees. They don't want those trees touched. They don't want them removed. Uh, there's an example, but uh, I think people can understand that to a certain degree. And I think most people will be environmentalists and probably like a little greenery around their house. But I just came across something I thought that you would find interesting in St. Petersburg, where the city council right now is debating whether or not they're going to make it mandatory for every single new construction house to have solar panels installed on them. So every new construction house will have to have solar panels or you're not allowed to build a new construction house. Uh, You, from a builder point of view, what do you think about that? I like it. We've been building green for years and green is sort of the common term like, oh, I build green. It's it's about as common as someone saying, I buy organic, right? So if if you or your spouse buy organic, what does that mean? She's spending a lot of money on grocery bills. So um, (laughs) she's buying milk and vegetables that go bad. Cage free. Yeah, the celery goes bad after two hours. Yeah, we bought organic bananas the other day and they're already bad and like, like literally they're 24 hours later i was like, like they weren't even ripe when we left the we left the grocery store they weren't even ripe and now they're bad it's like great honey i appreciate the gallon of milk that costs 12 dollars um so so the similar you know analogy silly analogy but it's very similar to building green so in the past what 10 years ago there were consultants building you know i'm going to consult for you and i'll tell you how to build a lead certified home or a green certified home or a healthy home and my fee is only a hundred grand okay yeah. well a little crazy but now there's people out there that do this for three, 4,000. If you go with a good builder, they're going to have a lot of these things that they're doing automatically. Like, that well, are what does that entail in. though? I mean, when you say going green or, or in, in a house, like what does that mean? I mean, I, I get the solar panels on the roof, but like what else, how, how else can you make a house green? Yeah. Well, one of the things I consider green and, you know, this is parentheses around a broad area, but closed foam insulation. Okay. Mm-hmm. So rather than the blown in foam, ins- you know, the blown in insulation that's on the underside of your upstairs of your ceiling, you actually blow the foam on the underside of the roof. So what that allows for is that your attic will never be over 88 degrees. Hmm. Okay. And your air condition units are not really supposed to be sweating mm-hmm. hot and cold in the attic, but when you're in, you're supposed to be put in the, in the normal temperature. So it should be put in a closet on the second floor or the first floor, if you have a first floor home, but a lot of builders will actually put these units in the attic and have the cheaper insulation that's blown in on top of your ceiling. So what that has, you know, what that means is, is that your attic could be 120, 130 degrees. You have your air condition unit working like, you know what? 
up there trying to keep your house cool at 75, 76, whatever you keep it at. And it's overworking, costing a lot of energy, things like that. So we do the blown in insulation on the underside of the ceiling, which allows for you to have put your luggage and your storage and your Christmas tree and things like that. And also your air conditioning units in your attic. And it's very cool all the time. No more than like, I think it's like 85, 88 degrees, something like that. Cause there's natural leakage with the vents and things, yeah. you know? So what are the other things that we're doing? We're doing tankless water heaters, you know? So if you think about a water heater, it's basically a pot of water, you know, that's cooking. Yeah. And if you have gas, it's constantly cooking mm-hmm. until you need. And then a lot of homes, we put the circulating pumps. We've did that for years. So that means that it's constantly cooking water yeah. all day long, whether you're there or not. <laughs> and when the temperature drops, it starts cooking the water again. These um, tankless water heaters are instant and they turn on when you need it, you know, on demand. The homes are, you know, we're filling the cement block with foam. It's like a shaving cream foam. So with the R factor, which is the insulation value is, is a lot better. We've been building ICF, which is insulated concrete forms. So what that is, it's a foam insulation. Um, it's a block and it acts as an insulation. The center of it is, is concrete. Yeah. So it's a stay in place concrete form. Yeah. But the cool thing about it is, is that the outside of the home, you know, so your cladding could be stucco or brick or whatever you put on the outside of your home. It could be hardy plank siding. Um, but when the sun hits it, it doesn't radiate through the home as if it was hitting block because it's hitting two inches of foam. Yeah. So that automatically, when you calculate the energy calcs, when you're figuring out how much tonnage of air condition that you need, it goes way down. We built homes, Dan, that are over 8,000 square feet and we put two, uh, two and a half ton units on the outside. Um, we did this on Davis Island. I remember the homeowner actually walking through, we're doing a walkthrough and he's like, what is going on here? I was like, what's wrong? What's wrong? And he said, these air conditioned units look like they should be on a mobile home. They're so small. And this guy's <laughs> home is, you know, enormous. And I was like, no, that's what the energy calcs are. We built you an ICF home and your energy bill is going to be less than a hundred bucks. Yeah. You know, and he was like, no way, you know, so so, but it is shocking. You know, there's, yeah. there is a lot of things you can do that's quite um, cost effective and it's all considered, you know, if green. it's cost effective, I was going to say it's cost effective up, up um, over the long run, but up front, I mean, that sounds like that's, you know, those are all pretty expensive. Are, are they well, expensive to, to Well, like that, that closed foam insulation, Isonine is a brand. So if you look at um, the blown in insulation versus Isonine, it's probably like 10 times the cost, yeah. right? Okay. So that's scary. But when you look at it as a percentage of the home, it's like less than one, it's less than a half a percent. So you're looking at $1,200 versus $8,000 yeah. or $10,000 yeah. or something like that, you know, but it's not like it's going to be, you know, $75,000 for this great mm-hmm. you know, insulation. It's not that extreme because it's a small piece, but, but a lot of these things from the past, you know, um, now that we do, they're standard, you know, I mean like low flow, um, Toilets, you know, they were really popular, but nobody likes, especially when you have kids to have, mm-hmm. you know, a, a, a yeah, toilet yeah, yeah. that can't really get <laughs> everything out of the bowl. <laughs> so I prefer, you know, they've gotten a lot better, um, but I prefer not to use those. But the same thing with faucets and things like that. They're they're actually um, in parity with the other products mm-hmm. um, for the most part. And some of them, you know, like the faucets, like I mentioned, there's no faucets now. Um, there was a Seinfeld episode about it years ago where they were, you know, trying to get the 
you know, the shower head on the black market. And, yeah. And you remember that? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I'm dating myself. Yeah. So, so, so as a, as a builder, you like St. Petersburg city council looking at the idea of making uh, solar panels, uh, uh, a requirement on new construction. But if you're a person out there and you, you know, you bought a lot, you knocked down a house and now you're being told by the local government that this has to be on your house. Would that bother you wrong way from a from a, a a a personal citizen standpoint. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I see their, I see that point. I, I just, I just think that moving in the right direction and pushing, hedging forward. I've always been a, pro, you know, a proponent of that. Yeah. But when you look at the neighborhoods in Pinellas, I mean, there's not really, you know, new neighborhoods there. You know, so there's not, you know, her, here's the planned community and these are the rules and this is what you're going to abide by. If you want a lot here, great, follow my rules or not. So you're, so they're going into an area which is you know, high density and it's, you know, neighborhoods that have been around for years and they're trying to, you know, implement some initiative, which I think is a great thing. But, you know, I feel like it's always better if you got some sort of an incentive. Yeah. And if you gave someone an option. Yeah. You know, I don't like being forced. You know, I agree with you. It's kind of tough to be enforced. But if you're trying to have an initiative, you know, like it would be more proper to say, hey, here's the initiative. It's going to cost you X amount, but you're going to get your return in two, three years, and you're subject to a refund of some sort if you if you go and you buy these panels. Yeah. And what was going on years ago, the state had a a fund out there and it ran out of money. I mean, because everybody submitted for it. So if you spent it's you know it's a lot it's a lot less now to do solar panels, but at one time we were building a house as as near you know as close as five years ago and the solar panel package to generate uh, enough electricity for the home was over 60k wow and the homeowner's like great i can afford it is there any way to get some percentage of rebate um you know i said no you know that's already extended and yeah. there's no more and and um is there you know i go i don't think there's even an award for you to get you know, maybe we get you a lead certified award we can put it on the yeah. on the wall but but you definitely if the if a state government or federal government wants to promote and push a good initiative like that just as, as they've done with companies that are doing you know things for the environment i mean you need to have some sort of incentive you know it's always better to give options because if you lay out options and they make common sense it's a win-win and people will tend to use it i think you're absolutely right we'll continue our conversation here with the move with me program with james ramos jamesramos.com brad hubbard the ceo of the national flood experts will be joining us next talking about harvey talking about florida talking about west coast florida talking about flooding it's going to be a great conversation Hi, this is James Ramos. We're back with the Move With Me radio show. We're here with Brad Hubbard from National Flood Experts. It's nationalfloodexperts.com. And we're excited to talk to Brad. Um, how you doing, Brad? I'm doing well. Thanks. So where do we start? Hurricane Harvey. That's I mean, the relevant one. There's so much stuff to talk about. Yep. Yeah, no, with Hurricane Harvey, the, the flood insurance topic has come up quite a bit with everyone. It's It's put it back in the forefront of everyone's mind again. The amount of people that it's touched, I mean, is staggering. Yeah, you they're know, talking the Im- impact. Yeah, 30 plus billion dollars of damages is what they're looking at. Last number I heard. I mean, some of the, one of the stats that I saw, there was 50 inches of rain is the top end of the forecast, whereas the Houston Bushes Inter- Intercontinental Airport averages for the year 
a little bit less than 50 yeah, it, the that, whole year. So within, within a short period from August 25th through, you know, September one, you know, they're looking at what they typically get in an entire year. Yeah. I, I saw that 50 inch number and they said that that's the most amount of rain they've had on the continent in one area and for one Unbelievable. Event. Yep. Ever. So, so the listeners out there, I mean, we live in, you know, most of us are in the Tampa Bay area. I mean, what, what are we to think? You know, when you, when you watch CNN, you watch the sure. news. Well, I mean, the first thing that I would think about is that could have hit here. You know, that's just on the other side of the Gulf from us that just as easily could have hit the Tampa Bay area as it did the Houston area. And we'd be in the same boat. You know, uh, Florida is built better to handle flood because we're used to rainfall. But if we got 50 inches, we'd be having the exact same issues that they're having. So, you know, I read your book. Um, it's an excellent book. Um, it's very technical, by the way. Um, um, and, and it talks about, you know, flood, the entire nation being in a flood zone. Flood zone. I don't know if many people know that. I didn't when I Right. And the way that FEMA describes it is because a lot of people will say, hey, I'm not in the flood zone. And that's not accurate. You're just in a lower risk. So basically right. they say everyone has some chance of flooding. It's just the degree of risk. So, so for the most part, would you say that the people, most people in Tampa Bay area are in flood zones? Definitely. Okay. Uh, or in the higher risk flood zone, rather. Correct. Uh, the, the higher risk encompasses about 15, 20% of the Tampa Bay area, where they say that there's at least a 1% chance of a flood happening in any given year. Uh, if we ever had a storm like Harvey, you're probably talking 50, 75% of the area is going to have some sort of Damage. issue yeah. with, with the flooding. And then the recent... Um Tell us about what's going on in, 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 in the state house right now. There was a vote and, you know, as far as the subsidies and things of that nature, fill us in. What is the, you know, what is the impact for a guy who, who's spending $1,200 a year in flood and what is the impact of this decision that they're about to make? What they're trying to do is minimize the impact to the, to that person, to the homeowner that is only paying $1,200 a year. They want to keep those numbers about the same. Um, as far as, you know, individual homeowners, as long as they actually pass something by September 30th, there'll be very little impact where the impacts come in is if they don't make up their mind, get something passed by September 30th. Uh, if they don't do an extension, you know, you end up with a lapse in the program. People can't buy or sell houses right. during that. That happened five years ago when, uh, this came up before with the whole bigger waters thing. They did, I think 13 different extensions, right. there were lapses. Uh, and it, you can't close on a home in a flood zone without flood insurance. So that really hurt a lot of people. But with the current legislation that they're looking at, it's really not going to affect, nothing's going to change. You know, you're still looking at 20% increases for the subsidized homes. You're still looking at $1,200 a year, which next year will be thirteen or $1,400. Uh, not a whole lot is going to change. The people that are going to be hurt more, uh, like always, are the business owners, uh, things like that. You know, they always tend to pick on uh, the business owners. But as far as what I've seen so far, it won't have a great impact on an individual homeowner. Yeah, let's talk about the business owners. So in your book, Flood Money, and you can purchase it at Amazon.com, correct? Yep. Okay. It's a great book. So if, if um, you're, you own a business, this is um, a book to read. There's no doubt about it. So when I was reading it, I, was, I, was, um, I recognized that, that you have the business National Flood Experts and part of your, you know, your main, you know, your main revenue source is selling insurance. But at the same time, you actually save people. 
Correct. From not having to buy your product, which is right. kind of unique. Yeah, it, it's sort of while they go hand in hand, they also, you know, contradict each other a little bit. You know, my national flood experts, the goal is to get people pulled out of the flood zone so they're not required to carry flood insurance. You know, saving home and business owners. I think to date, right now we're we're saving our clients a little over two million dollars a year in annual flood insurance premiums from the people that we've helped. Um, but at the same time, I don't think that flood insurance is bad. You know, I think that people should have flood insurance. I carry it on my home. You know, even though I'm not in a flood zone, but I only pay four hundred bucks a year. Right. You know, as opposed to that twelve hundred dollar number. Or with business owners, uh, you know, I've seen fifty, hundred thousand dollar flood premiums, just depending on where they are. Uh, but the goal with National Flood Experts is to make it their option, to make it cheaper if they want it, uh, or just to cancel it outright. If you're willing to take on that risk, which you know a lot of these business owners would rather self-insure on things like this, uh, especially the larger businesses, you know that's an option that you know we want to be able to give them. Plus, you know that's a huge increase to your NOI, to your operating income. If you can take off twenty grand in flood insurance a year, that's that's money straight into your pocket. So speaking, let, let's just use your house as an example. Sure. So you're in a, we're all in a flood zone. Sure. You're in a low risk area as, Actually, as it relates to flood. I am now. Okay. You are now. It was okay. mapped as in a flood zone, but was pulled out by our process. Okay. So okay. good uh, deal. Technically it is now in a flood zone X, which means low risk. Now is your neighbor? Yes. In our whole neighborhood got out. Oh, so your whole neighborhood yeah. because of you. Correct. They like you a lot. Yes. I would imagine. Did yes. they bring any baskets? I haven't gotten a basket goodies? yet. No. And no. I'm sure if we all flood, you know, <laughs> they'll be knocking on my door. But what that, <laughs> yeah. um, but so when you do your work, you're impacting not just that one guy who's potentially paying for your services, but you're impacting a potential neighborhood. We can. Typically, we work property by property. Okay. But in some instances, we'll do a whole neighborhood. We'll do an entire block. Uh, it just depends on the exact situation. Usually, we're just working with one homeowner, one business owner, one property, one building, or multiple buildings on the same site. Well, I mean, if you're just tuning in right now, we're, we're here with Brad Hubbard. It's a very interesting subject because much of us live in the flood zone. Brad's with National Flood Experts. He is the author of Flood Money. And we're talking specifically about a home, his home. Let's say, let's use your home as an example. Sure. So it's in a low risk due to your expertise. It's in a low risk flood. You're paying $400. So why do you have it? Is there an exclusion in your homeowners or hazard insurance? Well, yes. Uh, basically, any home insurance policy in the state of Florida will not cover flood. So if we ever do have a storm like Harvey or anything like that, and you have flood damage, your home policy will not cover it. And where I'm located, I'm only... But how about if, how about if, your, how about if your house floods due to a plumbing leak? That's home insurance. Okay, that's separate. Okay. So, basic home so act of God. Uh, yes. Of, okay. Yep idea is 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 if your house floods through any acts of god right is that That's, how they word it or no the way that it's worded is rising water okay so even if an act of god blows your roof off and you have water damage from that way your home insurance will cover it so in a hurricane Got it. the okay. wind rising water it has to be rising water affecting two or more acres or two or more properties so you looked at the 400 dollars as a as a push Absolutely. because it's you know it's yeah. not a bad deal 400 dollars a month times 12 well, 400 dollars a year oh 400 dollars a year yeah. okay so, that's pretty you know, good and okay. I, my my house yeah, is only a mile north of the bay so you know if we ever get a big tidal surge okay i could be affected a little bit about that sure the devastation these people like you had mentioned much many of them do not have flood correct so so let's say if i'm a homeowner there and 
I chose not to have flood weather. I chose that or didn't realize that I needed it. Um, will the, will the, the state or federal FEMA come in and save me? Well, uh, yes and no. So, you know, from the initial stats that I've seen, 80% of the people that have property damage from this storm do not have flood insurance. So you're looking at four out of five people uh, are going to have, you know, serious costs and no insurance to cover it. Uh, what the federal government does in situations like this is they have, uh, you know, basically they give low interest loans to the property owners. So while the federal government will come in and help you, you have to pay it back. So if you have $30,000 worth of damage, the federal government will come in and say, here's 20, uh, but you owe us this back at, you know, X percentage rate over time. Right. And then once you have that, uh, you are always required to carry flood insurance on that home forever, regardless if you have a mortgage, regardless if of anything. If you have, if you, if you, if you choose, take this, this option from right. the government. Yep. And even if you sell your home, you know, the next buyer still has to carry flood insurance because at some point in the past, the federal government had to come in and, and so they are now in a in a high high um, probability correct even high if, risk flood zone even if the maps don't change and they're still considered low risk they're all going to be still going to be required okay. to carry flood insurance forever. Well, I tell you, that's interesting stuff. We're going to be back with Brad Hubbard. Thank you, Brad, for coming in. Um, we're going to be back in a few minutes after a commercials here. It's Brad Hubbard with National Flood Experts. He's the author of Flood Money. We're here with James Ramos and Dan Maduri with Move With Me Radio. We're back here with James Ramos in the Move With Me radio show with Dan Maduri. I have Brad Hubbard here. Thanks, Brad, for coming in. Of course. Uh, he's with National Flood Experts. It's nationalfloodexperts.com. He's the author of Flood Money. We're talking about flood, very relevant topic right now considering Harvey. So when you look at Harvey, I mean, if Harvey would have turned for the right and gone east, I mean, what would have happened and what are you know, what, what, talk us through what you think what would be happening right now sure. in the Tampa Bay area. Uh, a lot of things could happen, you know, to some of the really nasty uh, projections show that Pinellas County uh, basically becomes an island. There are uh, little, you know, most of Pinellas County is going to be underwater. Uh, a lot of Hillsborough County is going to be underwater. Uh, you're talking about probably just based on our elevation, somewhere between 50 and 75 percent of every property you know within 50 miles of right here will have some sort of an impact i mean do you think we had mentioned earlier in in the the um in the house right now the 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 vote for yep. flood do you think this is going to have a big impact on the call that you know it that our state's going to have it will it'll at least make it relevant for these people uh i don't think they have enough time honestly because they have to make a decision the bill has to be signed by september 30th they won't be able to make any and what would you recommend changes. a you know a typical you know, owner in, in the state, sure. you know, someone who lives here to tell their state congressman, you know, to vote yay or nay to vote. Yes. Yes. Because okay. we, we absolutely need the NFIP FEMA to be working to, to keep providing coverage to all these home and business owners across the country. If they don't do anything, millions of people lose flood insurance coverage. And, and that's catastrophic. You know, even if, only 20% of the people in Texas have flood insurance. That's still billions of dollars that would have had to come out of homeowners' pockets. Flood insurance is absolutely necessary to have, and keeping the NFIP, while it's not a perfect system, 
uh, it's better than nothing. It's better than not having anything. So oh, even, sure. if you, even if you only make this uh, for, you know, extend this for three years, and during those three years, we're going to do some serious research to figure out a way to make it solvent, to make it work better than it works right now. Um, and they are trying to make uh, some strides with this. I actually was in a roundtable with uh, uh, Congressman Charlie Crist about a month ago talking about this. You know, he was asking people like me, what do you want to see? What can we do um, to make the NFIP work for this bill that they're working on right now? You know, the number one answer is everyone wants this thing to pass. Everyone wants because the, uh, the entire economy, you know, revolves around real estate. And if you get rid of flood insurance, it really damages the, the real estate market. Uh, and just the ripple effect would be, I have no idea where it would end. You know, it would be, but it would not be good. So uh, passing this is definitely, you know, needs so, to be the number one priority. So if you're living in a home that's on the water or close to the water in Pinellas per se, and it's below the, the finished floors, below the 11 and a half, it is, right? The it depends on where line. you are, yeah, somewhere between on. eight and 11. Okay. Yeah. So if you're below, I mean, are you looking at your policy going up? Not because of this bill, but it will keep going up. It'll uh, keep going up. Yep. The, okay. the law that they passed back in 2014, the Flood Insurance Affordability Act, uh, that one basically states that all these policies are going to go up a certain percentage every year, depending if they're subsidized or not, somewhere between 3 and 18%, they all go up. Uh, on the preferred side, if you're not required to carry flood insurance, that premium has stayed set the last two years at least. Uh, I don't know what they'll do in April with it. But last year, they, you know, of all the policies going up, the preferred rates did not. They want people to buy flood insurance when they're not required to. So they haven't been raising that rate. Yeah. So if you're a buyer and you're, you know, you're, it's contingent, the purchase is contingent on your loan yep. and you're looking at your debt to equity. If your policy goes, jumps from, you know, 1200 a year to 4000 you may not be able to afford to buy the home. Yeah, I see that a lot, and you know the the insurance agencies in the in the area and across the country really that partner with us, I, that comes up a lot. You know, hey, my client, you know their debt to equity or their debt to income ratio isn't working. Is there anything you can do with the flood? Uh, and I try to let people know too when they're buying. Hey, your policy is at eighteen hundred right now, but based on all this, you're going to be at five thousand dollars within five years. So keep that in mind when you're buying. But so, so what are the options? I mean. When you live on the home and you think you're going to potentially sell your home, downsize, what have you, are the only options for a new homeowner to come in and demo the house and build it higher? I mean, to save and get that lower rate? To get the rate down. Well, there's a couple of options. The What's been really good with flood insurance recently is the private market. Okay. The private market has started to come into play, especially with homeowners, and those rates are half or better uh, of what FEMA rates are right now. Is there a name of, of an insurance company when you say private markets? What yeah, there's that? a couple of them. Okay. Uh, TipTap is the one. They're actually based here in Tampa, and they only write single-family homes. But they have great rates for people who are, you know, like the older homes, those 1950s, 1960s homes that are paying $2,000, $2,500 for flood insurance. You can get a policy for 1100 bucks, And, you know, it's actually a better policy than the one you get through FEMA. They, they offer more coverage through it. Um, are, so, are, how, now, how will they, do we know that they're going to have the money if there's a catastrophic event that takes place? That is the risk you take. Uh, you know, you can look at the financials of it and, you know, determine on your own. They're rated very good. Uh, whether or not they could handle a Harvey uh, right. is yet to be determined, you know, and that's, that's the, that's the risk with private is you do not have that government backing it up. Yeah. I have a buddy, you know, just an interesting story. I have a buddy that owns a house in Little Torch Key. 
and he purchased it years ago. He bought it cash. It's a newer house. So his finished floor is quite high. And, you know, I asked him, I was like, God, how much is, is your flood? And he said, you know what? I decided not to pay for it. I figured that if I get flooded, everybody's going to get flooded down here. He's in mile marker, like 25, I think. Sure. And, and you know what, the, the you know, the government's going to come in and bail everyone out. <laughs> <laughs> and that's a common misconception. And it's, uh, it's, it's not that simple, right? The, the, the average loan when they do those is 30,000. So if he has a half million dollar home, oh God, yeah. you know, right. down right. there, then, you know, good luck. But so, so these owners in, in Houston, for example, what are they thinking right now? Cause I know the homes along the river are quite, I mean, this is Houston. This is yep. what is the fourth largest city in the country. Yes. I mean, there's a lot of money there with the oil and, and, and finance and things. So, so, um, I don't want to talk about the $10 million home cause I would assume they have the, the depth hope. to go and yeah, maybe, you know, you're right. Um, but, but that average guy, let's say that three, $400,000 or two to $400,000. I mean, so they're looking at a $30,000 loan or, or they're able to get more if their home is, if they did, you know, most of them don't have. So what are their options? Don't have the flood? Their option, if they do not have flood insurance, they're, you know, the government will come in and it will help. But like I said, it's a very small amount of money that they're willing to lend. You know, they're going to have to be looking at, you know, pulling out equity on their home. Thankfully, we've had a pretty good real estate market for the last few years. So most people have equity in your home, but you're looking at refinancing your home to to rebuild, to pay, yeah. you know, I mean, and then refinancing their values could, could drop could, substantially absolutely. due to the flood. Yep. Absolutely. You know, being in a high risk area. It's, it's not a good situation for most of the people out there. Uh, and there aren't a whole lot of good options right now. So is this something that when, when we talk about, you know, the president took his time to go down there for the main reason why he didn't want to take resources off of, you know, what was most important, but is this something that, that the president would actually, you know, work out with, you know, the, with Congress and, and the Senate? Yeah, they have that power um, to where they can come in, you know, they've already declared it a federal state of emergency, which is when uh, they start allowing funds to come in to help people. Uh, they, but yeah, they absolutely have the power. You know what, let's, let's move our lending from X up to Y uh, to be able to help these people out. Um, you know, you're still looking at a loan. It's not free money. Um, they're not just giving out checks to, to help people out. It, it's, it's a loan. Um, but they absolutely have that power to come in and help. And I wouldn't be surprised if they do, because you're looking at a huge amount of people being affected. Well, let's just hope that when they start building new homes, they're actually built properly. Cause the last time this went on in new Orleans, we we're like, we're going to build these homes stronger and better than ever before. Yep. And then up in New Jersey area, you know, when, 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 when they had the catastrophic events there and then they had truckloads of, of, uh, you know, wood framed prefab homes that they were starting to build. And you're like, why are they doing this? Yeah, we got to build these exactly. homes with concrete block and make them stronger <laughs> and things. So, but great conversations, Brad, Brad Hubbard. If you are in a flood zone, which now, you know, everybody is in a flood zone. If you live in America, you may not be in a high risk flood zone, but you're probably in a flood zone insurance as low as $400 for the year. Yep. Um, which will protect you even cheaper, which even cheaper, yep. which will protect you from rising water. So again, what he had said is if your roof gets ripped off and rain comes in act of God, that is covered through your typical homeowners. But if there's any type of rising water, you may not be protected. So give Brad Hubbard a call at nationalfloodexperts.com. He's the author of flood money. It's great to have you. Thanks, James. Appreciate um, it. Appreciate you. 
and we're going to be working together on several projects in the future. This is James Ramos with Move With Me Radio. Glad to have Brad here. Visit me at jamesramos.com for the podcast and all the information as to um, the flood, how to get Brad's book, and everything about National Flood Expert. And looking forward to next week's show. Thanks for joining us today. If you missed all of the program or want to hear it again, listen to the podcast on jamesramos.com or on YouTube at Ramos Media Network. See you next week with Ramos Design Build, Tampa Bay's premier real estate design, build, and construction company. 